Welcome to Voices of Cathet, a podcast which weaves together the stories of our region into a beautiful tapestry. We are Woven Threads Cathet, a youth-led nonprofit aimed at social change through storytelling with compassion. We are grateful to reside on the traditional lands of the Lahaman Nation. Habari zamchana. Good afternoon everyone. My name is Lucia Kihio and I'm greeting you in Kiswahili, the language of Swahili people on East Coast of Africa. I'm a grade 11 student at Brook Secondary School. I was born and raised in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. I'm your host for this special two-part episode series. Thanks for joining us. Karibu sana. We welcome you. All. Hi everyone. Welcome to our two-part series where I get to interview my host mom and she interviews me. My name is Lucia Kihio and I'm Ella Wright. Yeah, welcome. We have a special and kind of unique story which is like connected because she got to sponsor me to come to Canada. I get to live with her and her beautiful family and she's more than a host mom to me. She's my she's my mom actually. You even call me your house mama cuz yeah. your your real mother also got to come from Tanzania. Yeah, that's and lives with us too. <laughs> We have a very big busy house, don't we? Yeah. Okay, our first question. Can you tell us a little bit of your story and how we came to know each other? Sure. So my name is Ella and I grew up on the traditional territories of the Kwikwetlem people in the lower mainland of Vancouver. And I always knew from a young age that I was interested in other cultures and who they were and where they came from and why. And so when I graduated from high school and went to the University of British Columbia, I remember going to this clubs days in the first year where there's a student union building and you go in and there was like 50 different clubs set up and they're all trying to get you to sign up and join their club, you know, like the yeah. ski club and the meditation club oh, yeah. and the political club. And there was these really tall Sudanese guys playing afrobeats with these drums. Oh wow. And they made eye contact with me and they were like, "Come over here, sign up." And I was kind of intimidated because I'm not super tall and I was like, "Okay, I'll just sign up." And I did. And they became my lifelong friends. Wow. And it turns out that they were refugees, which was part of a student refugee program oh, that is yeah. across Canada. Wow, really And cool. Canada, the government of Canada, so-called Canada, has a program where you can privately sponsor refugees to come to university. Yeah. And so this group of students had particularly grown up in Ethiopia, what is now South Sudan, yeah. and had been raised and living in Kenya and Somalia as well. And so they became my friends and i became really passionate about wow there's a lot of inequity in the world and education is a right but it's not a right that's realized by everybody mm. and i started to understand the privilege that i have growing up in this place and so i had an opportunity in my second year at ubc to go and spend a summer in botswana focusing on HIV AIDS. I thought at the time I wanted to be a doctor. I was <laughs> prepping to become a doctor. Wow. And I went overseas and I thought, wow, this is really interesting. And now I've learned the term white saviorism, but I realized I feel really awkward coming into this country where we're paired with a partner. So I had this wonderful partner from University of Botswana, is from Botswana. And there was this kind of assumption that we as developed Canadians were coming in and helping and make things better 
where I kind of felt in my heart that, well, actually, we have so much to learn, too. How come the way that we do things is the right way? Mm-hmm. And it was really confusing to me. So I came back from that trip and I thought, I don't think I want to work in other countries. Like, who am I to go in and help people? Mm-hmm. No, I'm interested in education. Yeah, I want to help people who are already here make the most of every opportunity they have. And I've learned a term called hack the system, where I was like, I want to help people hack the system <laughs> so that they can realize their rights and do the most they can for themselves and for their communities. And so that led me to a 15-year career focusing on education, where I ended up actually going through UNICEF and the British government to live in other countries. But I did that as what's called an education advisor. So we were technical partners working with the ministries of education in those countries and helping them design countries that ensure every child has access to a quality education. And so after a while, I came back to Canada and I thought, oh, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been gone almost 10 years. I think I'm going to stay here. And I met my now partner, and we were pregnant with our first child. Wow. And this opportunity came up to yeah. work with UNICEF in Tanzania. Yeah. And my partner said to me, I would like our daughter to be raised in a place that you've told me is beautiful, where she can meet people from other cultures and have the same values that we do. And I thought, yeah, okay, let's do it. So we moved to Tanzania when my first daughter, Naya, was five and a half months old wow. for what was going to be this four-year adventure. <laughs> yeah. And that's how we met your mother. Yeah. She came to work in our home to help me as what's called a dada, yeah. which is very much like a child care provider, yeah. um, so that I could go to work at UNICEF. Yeah. And I remember when you first came to my house, you would have been 13. Yeah. You'd come yeah. home on a break from boarding school. Yeah. And I didn't know that you spoke such good English because you were so quiet. <laughs> yeah. And I was saying, hi, Lucia, how are you? And you were so shy. I was. <laughs> but you were so cute and very, very smart. And so unfortunately, due to a whole bunch of other circumstances, we ended up back in Canada. We now live and have for a couple of years in beautiful Cathet. Yeah. And I always felt like my heart was hurting that I didn't get to finish the four-year dream in Tanzania. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be reunited with you guys I felt like you were part of our family Mm. and I thought what can we do and then I had this idea one day of well I could maybe bring Lucia here to Powell River to Cathet and so I started planning and looking into that and saving as much money as we had and I thought we could either put this little bit of savings towards our mortgage or we could renovate our home. (laughs) But actually, we live comfortable lives. Mm -hmm. We could also commit to supporting your family and help you realize your dreams. And as soon as that became an option, I was like, that's what we're doing. And here you are. Yay! So that's how we know each other. And that's some of my background. Yeah. Okay. Why did you decide... Um, to sponsor me because, yeah, you know that I I was, like, studying in Tanzania and I was in a boarding school. And why, like, why did you do that? Like, why did you, what makes, my, what made you to sponsor me and my my mom and my family? I can say my family in general. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're all a team together and Uh, Lucia has a wonderful auntie that was also raised by her mom and we're supporting her with university and supporting her family. And I think why 
in part, I felt this light within me, like it was the right thing to do. The universe, God, whichever you want to call it, was speaking to me saying, these people are your people. Mm-hmm. And I just knew that that was something I needed to do. Yeah. But also, having worked in what is called international development, coming from a country that I come from as a white settler yeah. on stolen lands, understanding what it means to understand this term settler colonialism. When I was working in development, even though I was working directly with ministries of education, I was representing agencies that give a lot of funding to governments and help them and support them towards their education. But at the same time, I realized we're supporting countries, but still with this model that economic growth is Mm -hmm. sort of the underlying thing in our world. Mm -hmm. We're all supposed to be working hard in school to get good jobs, to get money so that we can all have things and have a good life. But equally we're exceeding the limits of the planet. Mm. And I mean, that's no surprise to anyone who's been following things like climate change. Mm-hmm. And we're exceeding resources and this need to consume and tweak and get everybody together in the same story. I realized that it was pushing this dominant story of progress on top mm. of all of these other cultures and countries around the world who have their own ways of being and knowing and their own stories And I didn't really know how to call it that. Like I couldn't describe that years ago. But I was feeling really burnt out and depleted because I was putting so much work into programs that were getting kids in school and helping them learn. But then there was still this structure where countries didn't seem to always be better off. And it really started to bother me. And so I had this sort of existential crisis of thinking, is the work I'm doing helping? I know it's helping individuals, but... I don't always get to see those individuals and it feels like we're all just on a hamster wheel trying to promote economic growth. So I I really stepped back and actually went back to university, even though I'd already finished my master's degree and I took a first year geography course at UBC learning about capitalism and colonialism and the world. Mm -hmm. And it's when I really started to understand concepts of slavery, concepts of power dynamics Mm -hmm. and how the world is structured the way that it is. And I had this sort of big picture where I went, huh, these systems are really hard to change. And I don't know that we can change them. All we can do is focus locally on the land that we're on with the people around us to envision a world that hopefully is in reciprocity with nature, with what's called the more than human world with each other. And if we can do that together and dream of a future and work towards it together, then hopefully if enough of us do that, we can change some of these larger challenges. And so when I did that, I realized I don't need to hang on to this story that I need to own my home and Mm -hmm. have all this money saved for my kids and have this plan and I need to have things just in case. Mm -hmm. I had like 50 safety nets in my mind of all these things I needed to consume and it was like I was having to store everything in a bank, you know, keep it for myself first and then help others. And I had this complete change of what if I take this funding that I've saved, which was $50,000, which was like my life savings because I didn't come from a family growing up that had money. So it was a big deal to save that money. And what if I gave it away and what would happen? Mm. And so 
I decided to make that choice because I believe in you mm-hmm. and I believe in your mom and I believe in your sister and your yeah. family, your sister, your aunt, yeah. your mom's sister. I believe in your family and I thought, this is the right thing. And so I share that really long explanation because it was really this journey for me of yeah. letting go of these fears and these worries that somehow I'm not going to be okay mm-hmm. and realizing that when you build community and you build relationships mm-hmm. and relations differently, you have the community to fall back on and people will come to your aid and you can come to their aid. And by not being so individualistic, yeah. my family first, I've embraced this collective opportunity to work with you and it's just filled my heart in ways I could have never imagined yeah so I'm so privileged that you're here with me we are glad that we're here with you too even though I talk a lot about these (laughs) things with you and you're probably like oh goodness (laughs) (laughs) it's fine I'm learning I'm learning a lot Um, can you tell us about the work you're doing in the community yeah sure So I came from this world of supporting education internationally. And I also had worked at the University of British Columbia for a long time before that and locally with school systems. And I thought to myself, if there's one thing I can do in my community, what would that be? Mm -hmm. And part of my realization was understanding what it means to be living on lands that has a treaty and to understand that we effectively have two nations as part of our region, one of which is self-governing through a treaty and one of which is self-governing from the history of Canada and British Columbia becoming a thing. And I went, hmm, it doesn't seem to me like a lot of us understand the responsibilities that come with that, what it Mm -hmm. means to be an ally within some of these larger structures that I was sharing. And I've actually seen a lot of parallels between some of the work that I was privileged to be involved with in countries where I used to live, like Tanzania, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Mm -hmm. Rwanda, Ghana. Mm -hmm. I've lived a lot in in East and Southern Africa and a little bit in the North. And while I was thinking about those experiences, I thought, in a way, those countries are also decolonizing because they also received, quote, independence from Mm, their colonizers, but they're still very much tied to this colonial capitalist system. We all are. Yeah, That's the way our world is structured. And so I thought, what if there's ways that I could be engaged to help build knowledge and solidarity and support with all the relations that are here? And what if I could understand more about what it means to be connected to the more than human world? Mm. Because... Part of what I've come to learn is as the the white settler or the Eurocentric communities have developed globally, we've sort of had this idea of power over and dominance over nature. We can conquer everything through science. We can build things. We can find solutions through medical science. Those sort of innovations have been important, Mm -hmm. but it's also distanced us from the land. It's distanced us from feeling connected to the earth as what I've heard called the earth as a living metabolism, where we're all part of something bigger, this energy. And this energy is bigger than planet earth. Mm -hmm. And I start to sometimes get really wrapped up in, wow, and then we're talking about the solar system and we're all just particles. But that's on days where I get really 
Woo. <laughs> but bringing it back to the community, I thought, wow, there's all of these beautiful stories and ways of being and knowing yeah. that connect us to these species and connect us to each other. I wish that the education system could do that more. And so I started working with Tla'aman Nation because Tla'aman has a beautiful culture of these ideas of stewardship and reciprocity. And, yeah. and they, for one, alongside other Indigenous communities in our region, have a lot of knowledge to offer. But I realized that people who are interested in their knowledge, who are not part of their community or their culture, often think, wow, this is great. I would just love to know it all. And it's another form of consumption and extraction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I've started realizing we have to be delicate in the way that we engage as settlers, as visitors to this land, as uninvited guests. Yeah. And so I actually stepped back from working full time and won a scholarship to complete a PhD at UBC. Yep. And that gives me space to ask some of these really deep questions, yeah. but then to translate it back to this community of who are the people who are concerned about the fact that we're exceeding the limits of the planet? What are people doing? What are their stories? What activities are happening where we can involve youth and children mm -hmm. and get the community buzzing around different projects? And that's how I met you guys with yeah. the Voices of Cathet podcast is, wow, you guys are the same. You're youth who want to share stories. Mm -hmm. So we've been collaborating, haven't we, yeah, on yeah. finding ways of bringing some of the land and some of the natural connections of the world back yeah. into education yeah. and getting people excited about what brings us together rather than what rips us apart. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice. Okay, and... Uh, what do you think it's important for communities to come together and support each other? I've um, lived in a lot of communities where there's been polarization. And I was really privileged to work, for example, in the country of Rwanda, which is a small landlocked yeah. country in East Africa. Yeah. And if you don't know much about Rwanda, I mean, my heart is there forever. If anyone listening is Rwandan, <laughs> I can immediately send love. But um, I think this is a country that was recovering from a devastating genocide against the Tutsi. Mm. And that happened in the 90s, in the early 90s, in 1994. And this country has come out of it by realizing that within their country, they have really three main groups of people and they've said we're all sharing a common language and we all come together as Rwandans. And even though there is this incredible conflict and this history of mistrust and violence and fear, many of these communities decided to create healing communities and they live together side by side and they work towards peace and love and that's been one of the ways they've been able to heal a lot of their trauma and so a lot of my Rwandan friends have talked to me in depth about the pain they've experienced and the traumas that their communities hold but they've said hey like we have come through that and we're really strong and for me to then come and be in a place like Cathet I've seen some similarities in that we have these polarizing views, it seems, right now globally, mm -hmm. where you're either this or that, and yeah. you stand for this and you stand for that. And it makes me really sad. Mm. But I realized 
even though there's generations of violence, especially through settler colonialism in this place, people, I really believe, are trying to do the best they can. And I believe that people hold on to their values and the ways of knowing and being that they've experienced. And I think it's important to approach any challenge through a compassion lens of we're all trying to meet our needs. And a lot of times people react in certain ways because they feel their needs aren't being met or there's that fear of their safety or security or their needs being taken away. Mm -hmm. And so we're clinging on right now to the only things we know that are stable, which is often the worlds that we knew growing up because that's what we were raised in and that's what we were comfortable in. And I think it's really hard for people to try to have an open mind and to want change or to not want change and then to feel like someone else doesn't understand you and wants to take that from you. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that the only way that we can work through this collectively is to start to practice self-reflection yeah discernment looking inwards like we talked about in your podcast being vulnerable and saying wow i'm having a really strong reaction to that why is that is that what that person said but what is it that they said that's upsetting me where am i feeling it in my body is Mm -hmm. my heart pounding are my legs wanting to run do i want to punch something am i shutting down Mm -hmm. and you can actually start to realize that a lot of our responses are related to trauma or fear Mm -hmm. where we fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Mm. And if we start to practice collectively holding that space for each other, then I think that's where community has a whole new meaning. And we can start to see people, even if their views would never agree with us, or even if we think their views are in violation of our human rights, we still have to understand they're acting out of unmet needs and or trauma and or belief systems. It's, you can't force someone to change, yeah. but we have to try to find a way to find those commonalities. And so that to me is probably going to be one of the biggest challenges of our time. Yeah. And I say this as someone turning 40 this year, <laughs> oh it's really God. going to be the challenges of your time, even <laughs> as a future pediatrician, yeah. right? Yeah, Having to... Ask more than just, is your child okay? But mm-hmm, how are true. you? Yeah. How are you as a family unit? How are you managing and why? And how can we build resiliency? And resiliency, in my mind, includes your soul, mm-hmm. your spirit, mm-hmm. and your emotions. Wow, that's really nice. Do you love your job? I do. You do. I love having the ability to support our community around education. Anyone who knows me properly in this community, maybe some of you are listening, knows that I'm a super nerd. You've probably (laughs) figured that out from this podcast. I love reading. I love learning. And I swear, like, I have a I Heart Education t-shirt, like, tattooed on my body. I'm just that person that's like, we can do this. Come on, everybody. Woo, education. So I love what I do. Yeah. That's nice. Well, that marks the end of our podcast. Thank you for everything. Thank you. Thank you to you guys for having the courage to do this, to share stories. And I look forward to meeting everyone in the community and hearing more stories on this very exciting podcast. Yeah. Bringing us together. Thank you so much. Asante sana. Asante. Speaking Kiswahili, I'm learning a little bit as the home mama. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kwaeri na openda. Bye.